Hello, my name is Nicholas Corey, and you are listening to Enter the Novelcast. The Visitors Quarantine Chapter 4 The next day found Gordon tense, uncertain, and quiet, even more than usual. He knew Peter wouldn't seek him out, and Peter was a good broker. If he didn't want to be found, he wouldn't be found. But Gordon ended up at Duke's anyways, sitting on his stool, holding a glass of whiskey, his eyes vacantly staring at himself in the mirror behind the bar. He couldn't get the events of last night out of his head. Not only had he ran into one of the last people he expected to see inside of the perimeter, alone, at that time of night, but Dr. Copeland was acting incredibly odd the entire time. Short answers, remarkably calm, exceedingly less surprised to see Gordon than Gordon was to see him. He moved quickly and quietly, he remained observant, and that was about it. Gordon couldn't shake the strange suspicion from his mind. Dr. Copeland had been searching for something in that house, but what? And more importantly, why the same house that Gordon just happened to get a job for? Too many coincidences, and Gordon hated coincidences. He took another swig of his whiskey, enjoying the familiar burn as it went down his throat. The noise in the bar was low, the conversations of morning patrons casual, friendly, and far from urgent. Many of them had nowhere to be, and so they remained in the bar, enjoying what time they could find away from their hastily built, ramshackle homes. Gordon held the glass in front of his face examining the liquor as he sat and thought. Did he actually hear something that night, on the roads of Kendall? Was that Dr. Copeland following him? But why? And then, why would Alan make such noise in the house, if he was so worried about staying hidden from Gordon earlier? Did he lose sight of Gordon before Gordon entered the house, and then Alan decided to pursue his other objective? How important was the object Alan was looking for? What sort of object was it? It was obviously something that Dr. Copeland expected to be in the kitchen, or at least suspected to be in the house. Gordon frowned and drank again, letting the liquid wash down his throat as he forced his mind to wash away those suspicions. No, Dr. Copeland wasn't dressed or equipped for being out behind the wall. In fact, he looked like he had just stepped outside of his offices in the Cedar Grove facility, and just ended up at the same house as Gordon. Was that what had happened? Gordon chewed his lip thoughtfully. The region inside of the wall had a funny way about it, strange effects that popped up out of nowhere, alerting their surroundings in widely varied fashions. Everything from burns to radiation to frostbite to inexplicable scratches had been reported, all beyond the wall, and all in an otherwise unremarkable grassland. Did some sort of strange warp point open up between the Cedar Grove facility and the town of Kendall? Was it something like out of Star Trek that instantaneously moved Dr. Copeland from the safety of the Northern Research Facility and into the Windy Ghost Town? It seemed far-fetched, like something out of a science fiction movie. But Gordon didn't completely dismiss it. It seemed crazy, but what beyond the the wall didn't? He heard the door to Duke's open and someone step inside, shoes tapping on the wooden floor. The sound entered his ears absently and floated right through, without his mind paying it any attention. He finished his drink, 
and Frank walked over. Another Gordy? Frank asked. No, another voice answered. Gordon turned to see that the person who had just entered was now standing some six paces from him, wearing the green camouflage uniform of an army man. Gordon stared at the man, setting his empty glass down on the bar. Gordon Lucas, the soldier said, you're ordered to report to Colonel Harrison in Wellington. Gordon's stoic, silent response added to the slowly building tension, and after a moment he realized that all of Duke's had grown silent as well. Everyone was in observation of the interaction with the soldier, and everyone was curious what was going to happen. Gordon turned back to look at Frank, who watched with both curiosity and concern. Another time, Frank, Gordon said, standing. Everything okay, Gordy? Frank asked quietly. Gordon shrugged. We'll go see. He turned away from Frank's increasingly worried expression and slowly followed the soldier out the door into the waiting jeep outside, ignoring the pain in his knees and lower back. The drive to Wellington was silent and tense. Gordon's mind flew through the reasons as to why the colonel would be calling on him specifically. It couldn't be good, that much was for sure. The only thing he could think of was that Dr. Copeland had ratted him out, turning him into the army. Either that, or they found some other evidence that pointed to him being a runner, and they wanted to deal with him. But the way the colonel, who was effectively the one man in charge of all social and political affairs for Wellington and the surrounding towns, not to mention the recovery efforts, it seemed a bit grand, at least to Gordon. He had heard of runners serving jail time, paying fines, or more commonly, forced into community service, but they were never done so by the hand of the colonel himself. That's what the military police were for, at least in this region. Gordon sighed, looking out the window. Nothing had been adding up correctly in the last 24 hours. Not only that, but it was beginning to feel like everything was adding up against him. He was used to playing against the odds, but not like this. They didn't wait long at the security checkpoint, either. Private Ragsdale lifted the arm quickly and watched them drive through. Gordon could only assume he had gotten word of his arrival, and was told to not delay them. Whatever he was wanted for, it seemed more and more urgent. Gordon was shown into a small office inside the Wellington Research Facility, and then the door was closed behind him. The room had narrow windows, practical furniture, and very few photographs on the walls, each depicting Colonel Harrison with some important political figure or another. The man himself sat behind a regular metal desk, papers stacked and lined all in front of him. He was aged, like Gordon, with a pair of reading spectacles resting on his nose, his receding hairline made unimportant by his shaved head. He looked up when he saw Gordon enter, and then stood to greet him. "'Mr. Lucas,' the colonel said, extending his hand. Gordon shook his hand and then sat down in the small, cushioned metal chair Harrison motioned to. "'You wanted to see me, colonel?' Harrison chuckled as he looked back down at his papers, beginning to consolidate stacks together on one side of his desk. Straight to the point. Good. I don't like to beat around the bush, either. Gordon rested his hands on the arms of the chair and stared at the colonel as he finished moving documents, silence hanging in the room. Finally, the officer looked up, folding his hands on his now clear desktop. Mr. Lucas, Harrison said, are you aware it is a crime to breach the perimeter, and that by doing so you have not only put yourself, but everyone you've come into contact with at risk? Gordon remained still and silent, but mentally was cursing himself for trusting Dr. Copeland. Of course the man would squeal. 
When Gordon realized who he was, he should have escaped the house and left him behind. Do you realize that we have any number of punishments to assign for just one instance of perimeter bre breach? Harrison continued. Whereas you, Mr. Lucas, have had well over three dozen instances of crossing the wall into the quarantine zone. Gordon just met the colonel's stare without uttering a response. Do you have anything to say for yourself, Mr. Lucas? That's not why I'm here. Harrison blinked. Excuse me? Sir, you didn't call me here to punish me. And why haven't I? Because, Gordon said, you haven't personally punished any runner. You let your subordinates deal with that. Well, Mr. Lucas, you are a special case. Gordon gave a light shrug, and the two continued to stare at each other for a moment. Mr. Lucas, Harrison said at last, you have more recorded breaches than anyone we've encountered before. Why let me go so many times? Gordon genuinely asked, his tone remaining even and calm. You were our first, Harrison said, and I wanted to see what you'd do, how you'd handle it. You didn't flaunt it like anyone else, and you didn't abuse it like many other criminals. You were quick and precise. In and out, Harrison smiled. Straight to the point. And you lack that, Gordon said. Yes, I do. Gordon shifted in his seat, wincing in pain from his knees. So, what do you need? he asked. Harrison chuckled. You're quick, he said. You're right. I do have plans to use your well-honed skills to my advantage, taking care of situations that I simply don't have the manpower for at this time. Lack what? Harrison was quiet for a moment as he sized Gordon up, considering the unspoken connotations of the question, before finally answering with, like, whatever we happen to need from within the perimeter. So I'll be given freedom inside the perimeter? No, Harrison answered. You won't. There is still an illusion that must be maintained. If other runners got word of us allowing someone passage into the quarantine zone, I'd have chaos on my hands. The community at large cannot become aware of our collaboration. So I've still got to sneak in at night? Yes, although you may find it a bit easier than having to hide a makeshift grappling hook underneath some old tree roots. Fair enough, Gordon answered, and then sighed. Well, I'm assuming you didn't just call me in here to go over my new forced partnership. Harrison smirked. No, you're right again. I do have something for you, which you'll need to start immediately. Want it so bad that I have to sneak over the wall in the daylight? Gordon asked. Don't worry, Harrison said. You won't be going over the wall for this. Gordon's brow furrowed in question. We... Never receive the daily shipment of reports and analysis from the Cedar Grove facility. Gordon was about to ask so what when his mind connected what the colonel had just said to the events of the night before. Cedar Groves, where Dr. Copeland worked. What the hell was going on? And you can't call him? Gordon asked. We've tried, but the call won't seem to connect, Harrison said, and sighed, looking out the window to his into the bright, sunlit, sunlit streets of Wellington. Ever since the visitors arrived, if the wind blows the wrong direction, then we lose half of our electronic equipment for the next four to eight hours. It's why we do these daily shipments and focus so much on physical documentation. You never know when you'll be flying blind. 
Gordon blinked a few times. He had never understood why he was responsible for transporting so much paperwork in an age dominated by the internet and cellular phones, but now that made sense. In the strange, only-beyond-the-wall sort of sense. He only used his cell phone a few times, and when it would display no signal, he always blamed it on the device, not the effects of the visitors. How long has this been happening? On and off, for almost a year now, Harrison said. But I need someone to check in on the Cedar Grove's facility and pick up their shipment. Since you're already a driver, you can do it. We'll have nothing to send to Melberg until we get that shipment anyways. Gordon chewed his lip thoughtfully. Okay, he said at length. This will be added to your work for time. This will be added to your work time, the colonel assured. You'll be paid for everything you do. <laughs> I would hope so, Gordon responded. That it? Harrison nodded. Pretty much. Head north and let us know what's going on at Cedar Groves. Can you handle that? Gordon's mind flashed back to the mental image of Dr. Copeland's ebony silhouette against the dark gray wall, watching him in silent stillness. Yeah, Gordon said. I can handle it. Thank you for listening. You can catch new episodes of The Visitors and Enter the Novelcast every Monday morning at 7 a.m. Central Standard Time. To find more information on Enter the Novelcast, visit nicholascorey.com. To learn more about other creative projects from myself, please visit nicholascorey.com. And to reach out to me directly, feel free to send an email with your feedback to nicholascorey at gmail.com.